Welcome to Becoming Unique, episode 12. Now today is going to be magical. Black girl magical. Now I want to say, black girl magic is in all of us. I'm full of black girl magic. But as a black woman, a dark-skinned black woman, I think I unconsciously didn't acknowledge the magic that I'm capable of holding for a very long time. I unconsciously kept the ceiling low. Why? Even though teachers, music, family can all scream, you can do and be anything in the world, there is still everyday life subliminals maybe that's telling you something different. For example, you can be told that your natural nappy hair is beautiful, but the moment you walk outside, all of the advertisements for hair products shows hair that doesn't look like yours. Or you can be told that you can be a doctor, but when you go to the doctor's office, the doctor doesn't look like you. Or you go to the emergency room, and again, All the doctors are of different hue, but yet the porter, the janitor looks like you. Representation is just so important. That's why I wanted to make a segment on the Becoming Unique podcast called Black Girl Magic. First, I wanted to state that every single one of my guests that has graced this show so far is full of Black Girl Magic. And my future guests, black or not, I'm sure will be magical as well. But I wanted to make sure I start to highlight some women so we can hear their stories and realize we are similar. And if she can be magical, why not me? It's just a subtle whisper to remind us to tap into our magic. Before I get into today's show, I definitely wanted to touch base on representation and how it really, truly matters. I, looking back at my life, I can definitely look back and say I unconsciously took in all of the representation and non-representation that was happening. And with taking in what representation I was having versus the non-representation I was having, it kept my choices or my standard and choices in life very limited. Of course, the whole world is my oyster and I honestly can have anything I want if I look at it. But when I don't see someone that looks like me or talks like me doing something, I just automatically give a checkbox that maybe that's not the thing that I do. I also want to make it clear that one profession in life is not better than another profession. So a doctor is not going to be better than the janitor or porter. But what I do want to make clear is we have to realize that we want to be in a place where we go in the direction that our heart, that our spirit, that our gifts are calling us to. So if you're a kid and you're like great at science and you're great at doctor stuff, 
but you don't have any representation and the representation you have is in different categories, you may be going in the wrong category because now you're doing a job that doesn't feed your soul. So because the representation is telling us something different. So representation is just so, so important. And it's like, I can honestly start talking about this for like a whole podcast and I'm not going to do that. But before I get into today's show, I want to give you a one minute clip that I saw on Instagram. It was on Broadway.com's Instagram. And it was a Zoom call with four African-American actors. And one of them was speaking and he was just speaking about representation and I'm not going to say it brought tears to my eyes, but I felt it. I felt it. So let me play that for you before I get into today's show. And yeah. Experiences at the stage door, these little, you know, brown faces being like, oh, oh. Like, and I remember just taking pictures with with who looked like my niece and my nephew. And um, going into Hamilton, realizing that uh this was the first time that outside of new york that was going to be possible in the biggest show that this generation has ever seen was a massive and there were times when i you know you know, was on the eighth show of the week and i was like nah josh you ain't no you're gonna stay right here mm-hmm. you got it you got it maybe the voice isn't there but you know what's going to shine through you is a, is a message that this little child matters that child knows what's possible. That little child, you know, even if they don't, they never come on stage before, they're gonna know that there was someone like them shining. Representation matters. And this is exactly why I wanted to create a segment called Black Girl Magic. I completely understand that everyone that's listening to this podcast right now is most likely over the age of 18, but this is why this is called Becoming Unique Podcast. It's called Becoming because we're always constantly are evolving and becoming. So we don't have to feel like we're stuck. We can be inspired at any age, any time to push forward. And I want to have women on the show that are completely relatable. So we don't give the excuses of oh well she's not really from my tribe she was able to do this because of this that and this no we are relatable the women that I have on this show are relatable relatable to all of us everyday women and they doing their thing and we can do our thing too all of us are magical and we I just want to make sure at the Become a Unique podcast that the takeaway is that we are constantly chipping away to pull out the magic that's in us. So enough of me yapping, yapping, yapping away. And let's get into today's topic with my amazing guest. Let's go. Before getting started with today's interview, I just want to state, make sure you listen to this episode in its entirety. After the interview, I'm going to talk about an amazing giveaway that's going to be happening. And I got more to say. So make sure you guys listen to the entire interview. There's so much to be said in this interview. Today on the Become a Unique Podcast, I have an amazing guest, Dr. Wajida Smalls. Welcome. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm greeting you. Good, thank you. Oh, that's good. 
before we before we get started with today's episode, can you please tell the audience who Dr. Wajida Small is? Absolutely. I am born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Proud New Yorker, proud girl from the Bronx. I, <laughs> I am a daughter, a sister, a wife. I am an HR executive by profession, but my purpose is to support women of color, achieve all of the greatness I know that they are capable I just love being in spaces that allow for my growth and the growth of other women. I have a PhD in human capital management. Uh, I went to Bellevue University to get that. And I've just been, I've been doing a lot. Yes. Um, (laughs) And I'm just, I honestly, I'm just someone that is really excited about life. Yes, 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 yes. Yes to everything. Black girl (laughs) magic. (laughs) Yes. So before you became Dr. Wajida Small, author and purpose alignment coach, please Mm -hmm. give us the backstory of Wajida. Um, sure. So I have, I'm one of those people that kind of always told the line, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Always, you know, always did what I was supposed to do. I got my undergraduate degree right after I finished college. Literally, I graduated from college in May and August. (laughs) I was married, so I got married really young. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, that was not a very positive experience for me. And, you know, as I've begun to think about that over the years, I would definitely say that experience and the experience of going through, you know, my divorce is what, you know, was a catalyst. I was always the person that just worried about everyone else, took care of everyone else, Mm -hmm. hardly ever took care of myself. It was always about everyone. And that experience, I started to see myself disappear, just like mentally, emotionally, and even physically, like it really affected me. And it got to a point where I was like, wait a second, I, if I can't help people, if I'm not here still thinking about other people. Yeah. um, But then realize like, wait a second, no one's taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if I really want to be here, be present, whether it's for me or anyone else, I need to make sure that I am taken care of. And, you know, it's kind of like that, that switch that goes off in your head is kind of like, hold up, wait a minute. And that, that flip switch. And it was just kind of like, you know what, I, I am going to live for me. I'm going to love myself. And that doesn't mean that I can't live, that I can't, you know, be available for other people that I can't help take care of other people, but I had to really start to prioritize myself. Um, And Mm -hmm. once I, once I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this for me. Oh, girl, life changed. Yes. (laughs) 
what you just said is just so relatable on so many angles for so many of us black women. I just think that we spend so much time worrying about everyone else, but not necessarily mm-hmm. worrying about ourselves. That's why I'm so happy that this self-care movement is in effect in this age because now we're starting to realize, hey, you know, we got to take care of us first. But yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I can really no, no, no. so much. <laughs> you, you are absolutely correct. It really is. And, you know, we, you know, just our culture, in our mm-hmm. culture, you know, family is above everything, but it's like, you're part of your own family too. Like, yeah. just because, you know, you have to include yourself in that equation. Um, and, you know, we, we culturally, again, we have multiple roles. We are wife and daughter and sister and mother, and we have responsibilities to the home. And then, you know, we're also, you know, expected to... I just interrupted Wajida mid-sentence, but I did this so I can let you guys know that we're about to hit a hiccup of static. Don't worry, it's just a quick moment, but I wanted to let you guys know that throughout this episode, there are a few hiccup moments, and it's okay because we still get the message and understand what's going on, but I just want you guys to be a little patient with the couple of moments of hiccups throughout this episode, but let's get back to Black Girl Magic. Participate and contribute to the household, which means we have to, you know, we're participating, you know, and work and we're being pulled in so many different directions. Um, It can be really practice self-care, but we have to be very conscious of it. And I think we're becoming more conscious of that um, because it really does impact us in not a positive way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm just so happy that we are coming to the recognition that self-care is just so, 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 so important. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, so it, was there before getting to Dr. Wajina Small? <laughs> um, so yes, so that that was one piece of it. It it, mm-hmm. it was a major piece, which is why I mentioned that first. Um, but a lot of things kind of culminated around the same time. And you know, that whole saying things happen for a reason, or, you know, it happens when it's supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And just that time in my life, I want to say this was maybe 10 or 11 years ago. It was just, yeah, it was a while ago. And I was actually at an organization and things just, things impact each other. And so I was going through this, this change in my life, as you will, and I was new to this role, new to this organization, and I was having some challenges at work, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, again, very much the person that kind of told the line, kept quiet, and I'll tell you in a minute why I kept quiet up until 10 years ago where I rediscovered my voice and I was going through this stuff at work and I had a supervisor and she was very persistent at just doing things that were very convenient to her mm-hmm. and not necessarily the most productive or the most valuable for the team. And she had started to ask me and my team members to do some things that one weren't exactly, you know, part of policy that were actually against policy. And I work in human resources and it's very rules, very policy heavy, also very people heavy, but 
you know, their rules in place were reason to protect the organization. And she would ask me to do things. They weren't terrible. I had some questions about it, but it was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, just kept, and it was just kind of like, it got to a point where she actually wanted me to do something that I knew was against policy. So I went to her supervisor, um, mm-hmm. Who, 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 was, who was actually a mentor of mine. And he was quite surprised again, why I hadn't come to him. And because she would always name drop. And I would always have questions because it's like, I, I know him relatively well. And it's not like him to say something like this, especially being the head of the department. So I went to him and I spoke to him and he said, now Wajita. And he had this thing, he would sit back, he would fold his hands, put them on top of his stomach. And he's like, now Wajita, what I, do you really think I would say something like this? And it was just kind of like, well, no. And he's like, well, why didn't you come to me sooner? And I said, well, because I didn't want to get in trouble. And he's like, what do you mean get in trouble? He's like, do you really think I would fire you for something like that? And I thought about it. And I was just like, well, no. And he was like, exactly. And he's like, okay, you have a voice. You have a powerful voice. And as long as you use that voice for the benefit of people, you should never silence yourself. And again, like a click moment. It was like, okay. Yes. Like, I mean, I really thought about like, well, I couldn't possibly get in trouble. But the thing about it is, is most of my young life, I always got quote unquote in trouble, you know, in school for talking. And if anyone knows me, they knows I'm an extremely quiet person. I'm the person that sits there, observed. I'm in the cut. I'm, you know, the person that prefers to be behind the camera versus in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But so whenever I made an effort to talk especially if it was in a situation where perhaps it wasn't the right time to talk to me it was necessary okay so you know my mom always told me never to let anyone disrespect you and I recall a time in seventh grade I was in math class and there was this kid sitting next to me wasn't black but he decided to make a comment on my blackness and I wasn't having it, having it because my mama said, just, you know, that's not what you allow people to do. So I politely checked him mm-hmm. mid sentence of my teacher and <clears throat> excuse me. And the teacher, you know, called me out for disrupting the class, but he wanted to be extra with it. He wanted to yell and make a show. And he himself said some very disrespectful words and then sent me out of the classroom And he told me that I could not leave until a parent came and picked me up. So my stepfather came and they had their parent teacher conference and, you know, he apologized like parents do for the disruption, but also pointed out to the teacher that what he did, you know, what he said to me was disrespectful and referred to me as being obnoxious. Never in my life have I ever been called obnoxious? And there's a negative connotation associated with being obnoxious. It's just kind of like, oh no, Mm -hmm. like this is, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. And, you know, I, from then on, honestly, it was just kind of like, it didn't matter what it was. I just, I didn't say anything about it. It was just kind of like, all right, well, don't say anything because you're going to get in trouble, regardless of whether or not I should have said something. And it was from, you know, seventh grade until, you know, I was 26. And I had that, that switch in really seeing the importance of myself and that, that switch that went off that said, 
you know, your voice is important. Wow. And that, you know, I, the one thing that I have learned in all of this is to understand the power of my voice and to make sure that I use it, but that I also use it responsibly. I also use it wisely and, you know, to, and use it to encourage other women to understand the importance of their voice and that they have to speak up, especially when it's important. And one thing that I did realize though, is as long, I've always spoken the truth. I've always been honest. Mm -hmm. And as long as you are able to do that and you're able to do that in a way that is palatable to the person that you're talking to, regardless of whether or not they want to hear it, they will accept it and they will respect it because it is the truth. Um, and that's been something that's been very important to me. Um, you know, sometimes some folks will be like, well, you talk too much, but it's kind of like, well, you know what? I have a lot to say yeah. and I'm not going to keep quiet. Wow. Your story was just so, so powerful on so many levels and it, on your level and also just thinking as a parent and as an authority figure, how the words that we say to a child or someone else can just completely impact someone's life. And we have to be mindful of the words that we are using because that one little word they said that you're being obnoxious kind of changed you mm -hmm. for the next 10 years, you know, to, mm -hmm. or to redirect, you know, to, to stay mute when you have something to mm -hmm. say, we all have something to say. And um, yeah, it's, it's so much to sink in with that story. Like <laughs> so much to sink in. But yeah, let me let you keep going on. It's like, I'm still taking it in because that was really a powerful story. <laughs> no, no, sure. So, and and it, it really, and again, I it, it's not like I was always someone, you know, that spoke up because I've, you know, I've always been a quiet person, mm -hmm. but, you know, whenever I felt that what I needed to say was of value or was by way of protecting myself or someone else, I did. Mm -hmm. I spoke up and then that stopped. And, you know, it, it created a level of reserve that I think for a very long time was not in my best interest. You know, again, I've always been a relatively reserved mm -hmm. person, um, but it was to a point where, you know, people didn't think that they, they could talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that impacted my ability to build relationships with yes. people. And, and that's the other important thing. It's very important to build relationships, to build community, to build, you know, your, your tribe. And for that didn't happen for me for a very long time. I'm, I'm definitely, you know, grateful and blessed to, to be in a position to have built that now. Mm -hmm. um, I have a very strong community who supports me, who I support, who we collectively you know, use our voices to support each other. Um, but I didn't have that because I didn't talk. Yeah. I didn't do the necessary, you know, uh, relationship building. Folks didn't think, you know, it's like, do you talk like at all? Like, say something, like I'll accept anything. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, I'm also someone that has a very strong opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I won't fight you and say that I'm right because I believe we all have different opinions and there's no right or wrong. I have a preference, you have 
a preference and we can, you know, agree to accept our differences. Um, but I do have a strong opinion about certain things. And, you know, sometimes that too can be, a, I'll, you know, people will say that's a bit much, mm -hmm. but it's who I am and I've accepted who I am. And, you know, I accept people for who they are. I meet them where they are. And I also have the, the same expectation that they will do the same for me. Wow. You raised another very important point with um, the power in our voice and using our voice with building relationships, because I can relate to that as well. I'm definitely from the very reserved tribe as well. Um, <laughs> until recently, now I'm using my voice um, more. So, but I do feel throughout my life, I may not have had as many relationships as I could have because I, I seemed a bit standoffish because I was just so quiet or so reserved. And, um, uh -huh. and I lost that. I lost a lot of years of building relationships because of the fact that I, I didn't have a voice. My voice was just almost mute. Um, so I can relate to that in, you know, another key factor for my um, guest parents out there as well as authority figures to, allow children to use their voice so they can start to build relationships, make mistakes, do what they need to do um, instead of just not having any of it at all. It's just, this is so powerful how our voice is so, 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 so important. But um, absolutely, I don't know if we got off track because I just, it, it's like you were saying things. And I'm like, <laughs> I can relate. I understand. I understand. So we understand that the voice is important. Um. Another thing that I feel like is a roadblock is fear. Fear is another roadblock mm -hmm. to finding our purpose. What are your thoughts about fear? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on it. And, and, you know, I think everyone, first, I think everyone is impacted by it. And, you know, Fear, I, I look at fear in two different ways. So yes, fear is, you know, a real response. It's a response to, it's an emotional response to a perceived or actual threat mm -hmm. of harm to your well-being. Yes. And it comes in handy when you're in situations where, you know, your life may be at danger. However, when we think about fear in the context of, achieving our goals, using our voice, putting ourselves out there. There's no real threat of bodily harm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no real threat of injury. How can using your voice injure you? How can pursuing your goal to do whatever, how is that going to harm you mm -hmm. in any way? And, you know, there's a saying that fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, just myself, you, you, you would be surprised, but I actually have a big fear of public speaking. Um, I've had to do it a lot for work, so I've gotten pretty good at it, but I always have, you know, a little bit of anxiety and that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's also important to realize, I'm just going to get a little technical right now. Fear is a state. Yes. When you think of the difference between like a trait and a state, like the trait you were born with, you can't change yeah. it right but states you can change it's like it's like sleep mm -hmm. you go in and out of a state when you have a fear about something you it's for that moment 
And it's having the courage to acknowledge that that feeling is temporary and do the necessary things that are going to get you out of that state. Yes. Um, but, but fear though is extremely crippling. It is. To, to a lot of us. And again, you know, we've, we've all experienced some level of trauma that will trigger a fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm not saying it's real um, because it absolutely is, but it's also acknowledging what that is and how much control you have over it mm-hmm. and realizing what you, you can't control. You can't control what people are going to say about you. But you can control what you say. Yeah. You are in control of your own voice. You can't control how people are going to react, but you can control your actions. And, you know, in my opinion, if whatever action you need to take, whatever words you need to say, that's going to elevate you to the position that you desire as a person, as a professional, as an athlete, as a mother, as whatever it is that you are and want to be, Mm -hmm. understand that that is within your control and you can change it and understand that it's that, that feeling is temporary and you can change that feeling. You can go from, you can make a conscious decision to go from being afraid of something to being excited about it. Wow. You really said some wise words and in referencing fear um, that it's temporary. And yeah, you really said some powerful statements. Um, and, and it's understanding the context in which you're feeling that fear. You know, again, you want to get a, pro- why are you afraid of going for a promotion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's, that's something positive. Why are you afraid of something positive? Why are you afraid to express your feelings about something? Why are you afraid to pursue your goal we're we're fear in this context is afraid of good things yeah. and if it's good it can't hurt us so we shouldn't be afraid of it exactly exactly yeah it's just it's a mindset and it's like we have to start to mm-hmm. learn to shift it um but being mindful of it and having these conversations to constantly keep reminding us about this this crippling thing called fear so we can move forward Absolutely. um is a great thing it's a conversation that definitely needs to be had more often so we can address the issue and attack it so we can change the state Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we can learn to get out of the state of fear and get in the state of movement so oh thank you thank you thank you so much for talking about fear i love i loved everything you had to say about it and it definitely helps me help me think a little bit differently as well too like Mm -hmm. what are you scared of like (laughs) were you scared of good things (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly so I have another um, question for you. Um, when did you realize the meaning behind representation matters? Ooh, um, <clears throat> when did I realize it? Mm-hmm. I, I can't pinpoint a specific time, but if we have time, I'll tell a little story. And I talk about this in my book. When I think about just my whole just growth process from a child. I literally had in my entire education mm-hmm. from preschool to PhD, I had one teacher that was a black woman. One. Wow. 
And I've literally been in school for more than half my life. Wow. And I've literally had one teacher that was a black woman. And it was because of her that I actually wanted to be a teacher. As I think about my, you know, professional journey, I, there was never really anyone like me in positions of, and I'm just going to use the term leadership as a all-encompassing word for the sake of this conversation, in a leadership position that I could look to. Mm-hmm. And it that I have worked for. I've, you know, been in organizations very diverse, you know, had very diverse colleagues. Um, I may have had, I think I've had maybe two supervisors in my entire career that were Black women. But when I think about, you know, the position that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. um, in my career as an HR executive, none. And as I started to go through the ranks in my career, I was, I was literally always the only Black woman wow. in the room. Quite often, I was, you know, the youngest as well, but it was the only Black woman. So when you think about the importance of having mentors, someone to, 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 to look to someone that looks like you so that you can say, okay, I think I can do this. It wasn't there. And, you know, I had an awesome, awesome mentor. His name is Herman Smith. He's a black man. But that's the thing. He's a black man. He can only he tell me as much as he can in his experience, understanding that my experience will be vastly different than Mm -hmm. his. Um, And so what I had to do was really look outside of my organizations because representation in that in that sense is you you want to you want to know that it's possible yeah and as black women as women of color we we know what's in store for us mm-hmm. and the challenges we're going to have. um so yes awesome mentor but again he he's limited in what he is able to do for me as a black woman I have been fortunate enough to find really great women outside of my organization. I'm a member of um, quite a few groups and, you know, I I see women just doing it, doing it well, being successful. You know, they have their lived experiences. They've gone through things that I'm currently going through and I'm able to, you know, get the insight from them, get the advice that I need, seeing someone just being motivated by someone that's, that's gone through the same things that I have and, you know, being encouraged and having the courage to, to press on Mm -hmm. because I see the value that pressing on has. I see that, you know, it's worth it and that I can actually achieve the goals that I've set out. Yeah, representation matters so much because I think most of my life, I unconsciously was taking in my representation. Um, Now I'm consciously recognizing representation. I don't work right now, but when I used to work, I only worked in retail. Why did I only work in retail? Because that's where I saw people that look like me. Mm Mm-hmm. I only saw the black girl working in retail. So those are the jobs that I applied for. 
I didn't think to apply to other jobs. You know, when I went to a doctor's office, I didn't see people that necessarily looked like me or where I went, you know, to do services in different places. There Mm -hmm. wasn't representation of people that looked like me. So I didn't think, I unconsciously didn't think that was the role for me to go into. So Mm -hmm. I unconsciously went into the role of where, um, you know, where people look like me. And we need to be conscious of that. And even though I haven't worked in retail in over a decade now, I swear, when I still go into stores, <laughs> people ask me questions as if I worked there. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't work here. So that, <laughs> that part of representation matters as well, too, because then now other people are only expecting us to be in certain roles. Just because I look like this doesn't mean I work here. And we need to also shift that as well, not just without, you know, you know, shift it. So when other cultures look at us, they don't only see us in X, Y, and Z categories when we should be A through Z, you know? So that's another mindful part about representation. But yeah, representation is just so, so, so important now that I'm consciously like looking at it. Finally, let's get into your amazing book. Oh my goodness, you are a published author. Congratulations. Thank you. This has actually been a dream. And talk about fear. Man, like I was I was so afraid of what this me- could, you know, what this was. Um cuz you know, in general, I'm a private person and this is really me putting myself out there. And I was so afraid, like it took, it took one, it took me three years to write this book. And for a whole, I like, I stopped writing for a whole year Mm -hmm. because it was just kind of like, I don't know if I can do this. Imposter syndrome is, you talk about being real. Yeah. Um, It was like, you know, I don't know if I can do this. Like I wanted it to like be perfect. And it was just kind of like, I'm like one of those people that I'm, I have I have trouble finding the gray area like I'm like on opposite ends either like I'm in it or I'm just not doing anything and for a while I just I sat on it I had four the first four chapters done mm-hmm. and I had a really great friend read it and like I thought it was like all right she was like oh my girl like god this like this is amazing like where's the rest of it and I'm like uh like I don't know I don't know if I want to finish it and she's just like what no, you need to, you need to work on this and you need mm-hmm. to finish it. And I went from literally sitting on it to like, I just went all in. Um, but of course we also have this issue with things being perfect. Yeah. And it just, it just wasn't perfect. So I went through several iterations um, of the book and I think I have maybe like four or five final versions. We're at this point now and I am extremely excited this is definitely one of my most my proudest Mm -hmm. um, greatest professional accomplishments um so it's the foundation of the book is my research that i did Mm -hmm. for education and it looks at why women of color don't emerge as leaders, even though everything is in their favor. It's kind of like why, you know, we're presented with an opportunity, not our past. So I wanted to know why we pass on those types of things. And there were several themes that came out of it. One of the biggest things was fear, not surprising. (laughs) Yes. That came out that we just talked about was, you know, having 
roles and the conflict and expectations that are placed on us when we have this whole, you know, family first, you know, identity and how that that can prevent us because we we start to shift our obligations from ourselves to other people. Um, you know, of course, other things that came out were things like stereotype and just how we're viewed and, you know, how we internalize the perception that people have of us. Um, and so it, it, it's grounded in the research. I talk about like, you know, the leadership model that I developed and I really wanted it to be for yeah the non-academic. So while I did interview women that were in the workforce, these are still women who were mothers who had challenges as mothers, um, you know, people who are working, people that had, you know, other obligations that all of us as women of color, as black mm -hmm. women face. And it really is, you know, when you think about leadership, we're leaders in our homes, we're leaders in our communities, we're leaders in our organizations, we're leaders everywhere. So when you think about the applicability of it, it applies to, to all women. And what I wanted is I wanted to give as much as I, I could, because one thing that I learned from my mentor um, is he always was very free giving with his knowledge, with his advice, anything that he taught me, the women that, you know, are in these groups that I am, it's just, everything mm -hmm. is just free flowing. So that's what I've been taught. I've also been a giver and I wanted to give as much as I possibly could, you know, what was, what has been all of the advice that I've been given, what advice, you know, have I been giving to people, you know, what have been the lessons learned in my journey as a woman in my journey as, you know, a, a leader within organizations. The shared stories part is I interviewed women from again, across the board, for the research, so I share their stories um, in in the book. So that's the you know shared stories, lessons, and advice. Um, and it, it's really been an amazing journey. And we talked about mentorship a lot. And this is really you know the the mentor mm -hmm. I didn't have that I needed, and that I'm now beginning to other young women of color. And I don't even, actually, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to say young women because regardless of how old you are, I think yes. mentors, having a mentor is important. Um, having, whether it's a career mentor, whether it's a life mentor, you know, if you're in sports, if it's a mentor, I think that is very important. So this is kind of like, you know, that mentor that you can take with you, that representation that you don't have you can take that everywhere and know that it exists. And, you know, I tried my best to really identify all of the different challenges we come across, whether we're placing those challenges on ourselves or those challenges are coming from outside. And you know, my best advice and all of the lessons and, you know, that I've been given on how to, to get past them so to reach. This book is an excellent resource for all women of color to use as mentorship um it sounds like which is sometimes it's mm -hmm. hard to find a mentor um Absolutely. that's the right fit for you sometimes in life is and sometimes 
I find that sometimes in relationships mm-hmm. that I don't know how to say it. I'm trying to say in the most humble way. Um, I feel like I'm the one maybe mentoring mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm wanting someone to help mentor me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so sometimes I'm mm-hmm. feeling like, how do I navigate this? Like, you know, I'm here mentoring everyone else, but I need someone to also mentor me through my way. And it sounds like your book would be like an excellent mm-hmm. um, source for these needs that I'm feeling. And that's the goal. That really is the goal of the book. That is what I want the book to be yeah. for. It sounds like something that is definitely, definitely um, needed out here. The book is called Our Leadership Journey. Shared stories, lessons, yes. and advice and it's for women full of, of stories. It's not like it's just your story. It's full of many women's stories. So it's, I'm sure it's someone that everyone can relate to in the book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And 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 then that's where that representation comes in. I think you know you will be able to see yourself in the book and say, you know what, I've gone through that. You know, I've had these same feelings. Um, you know, how did she get through it? You know, and, and it, again, it gives you, you know, lessons that they've learned, advice that they've given, you know, at the end of each chapter, I have um, reflection questions. So things that you that really start to help you think about yourself, what your challenges are, and how you Ooh, can I like that reflection questions that that's really good. Because sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, to make sure we're taking in the story, because sometimes we read and it's maybe not sinking in. But once you have the questions, now it's going to make you like explore it. Like, hmm, I like that. Because, you know, sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. we're so busy. We have so many things on our mind and we're not in the moment a lot of times. And we could be reading the book to just read the book, but not be in the moment. But I love that, that you're going to have the reflection questions to make sure we capture that moment. That's amazing. I love, 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 love that. Uh Is there anything else we need to know about the book before we um, go ahead and close the show out? Or if anyone is, you know, interested in reading the book right now, it's on pre-order. Uh, you can visit my website, which is my first and last name.com. So wajitasmall.com forward slash book. Um, you can read some early reviews. It's the, you have the front and back cover. So you mm-hmm. can, you have the synopsis of what the book is about, mm-hmm. um, what early readers are saying. And of course, there is a link to pre-order the book. All pre-orders are, if you want it, are signed, um, by me and we are expecting it to be widely available sometime in October. Um, folks will be able to order it from major online um, bookstores and continue to be able to order it from my website. And of course, you know, on my website, it literally yes. has everything you need to know about me. So if you want to know more about me, I encourage everyone to really just, you know, visit the website. Um, and of course, you know, if you want to stay connected, I am on most social media platforms. So I'm on, um, Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Dr. Dr. Underscore W L small. And it's the same for Facebook. And I just have one more question. Cause I ask every single guest is what does becoming unique mean to you? Becoming unique means 
embracing everything that is different about you, embracing and living and being mm-hmm. your most authentic self every time, all the time, regardless of mm. the space that you're in. Because yes, there's no, only you can yes. be you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, being a part of the Becoming Unique podcast today. I appreciate everything you had to say today. I feel like I'm going to re-listen to this episode a few times. <laughs> So you guys made it to the end, even though we had a little bit of hiccups throughout the show, it was all good. An amazing message went through and I hope you guys received it like I received it. And I promise you guys, I was not interrupting Wajida at the end. I know it may have seemed like that a couple of times, but it seemed with another hiccup that was happening, it seemed like the audio was crossing over on top or overlapping on top of each other. So it was like I was talking over her. I had to edit some parts out, but that's 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 all good. We got the message through and yeah. Okay now guys, I got some great news. Why Gita is giving the Become a Unique Podcast listeners a signed copy of her book. So I am going to run a contest over the next week and we're going to have one winner that's going to get a signed autographed copy of Our Leadership Journey, Shared Stories, Lessons, and Advice for Women of Color. Isn't this amazingness? Yeah! Make sure you're clicking the link in the bio to enter the contest to win this book. Click, 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 click. The giveaway of Wajida's book will run for one week from September 6th to September 12th. So if you are listening to this podcast after September 12th, 2020, unfortunately, the giveaway contest will be over but you are definitely welcome to click the link in the bio to buy this amazing book so yeah amazingness but i'm not closing the show out yet i got one more thing to talk about this week i took a trip so i flew i had the luxury of sitting in the window seat While sitting in the window seat, my face was almost pressed to the window, full of excitement as if I was a little boy seeing race cars and fire trucks. The taxiing of the plane was of interest. The plane picking up speed as it went down the runway was exciting. And one of the many climaxes is when the plane bottoms up. The serenity of watching the landscape from the bird's eye view is just so beautiful. All of this just brings me excitement from bottoms up to those sometimes bumpy, rough landings. I always envision myself with the power of the plane. I see myself flying it, landing it, just owning my place in the sky. This is nowhere close to a new desire. I've always wanted to fly planes for as long as I could remember. I remember when I was in high school. My guidance counselor had her meeting with me, as she did with every junior in high school. What are your plans, Unique? What do you want to do? I remember saying, I want to fly planes. Me saying this was like a five-year-old boy saying, I'm going to be a race car driver. 
I can't tell you the word. I can't tell you word for word what she said to me, but she definitely said, that's not really a reality. You have a double minority going for you. You are black and you are a woman. And just like that, I gave my power away. I gave my power away to someone else's belief system instead of my desires. There was no everyday representation of a black female pilot that I could reference. Now remember, this was 1993. No internet, no Google, no YouTube for me to do some quick fact checks. So I took the words of this woman that I looked at as an authority figure. A person that I thought knew more than me. I am currently 44 years old and I am just really starting to tap in to how powerful and magical I am. And now that I am recognizing how powerful and magical that I am, I'm realizing how much power I have given away throughout my life. I'm not mad at it, but I'm just recognizing it right now. And I'm sharing this story so you guys can maybe ponder on it as well. I am going to end this podcast off with two affirmations. I am powerful. I am magical. I am powerful. I am magical. And we need to remember this. All of us are equally powerful and magical as long as we can learn to tap into it. And that is the goal. Let's tap into our magical, powerful assets that we possess with inside of us. Thank you for tuning in to Become Unique. And I will see you guys on the next round. Bye.